0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscript. Welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series, where we meet with pastors and professors from Living Faith Fellowship and have conversations about theology, about ministry, about life, and this week I have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Brian Clark, who's a pastor and missionary uh, to london england he's been there for 20 years and uh, we're going to pick his brain talk about his testimony so welcome pastor brian clark it's good to be here it's good to see you man yeah so um just to get the, the ball rolling i mean you're not here with us very often this is a treat you're in town and so we're hanging out yeah and uh and so i want to ask for people who don't know you very well mm. uh how did you grow up what was it like i mean you've got a lot of pastors in your family
1: Mm, yeah.
0: And you're always around Christianity. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about how you came to faith, and then how it became your own. Like, at what point did you realize this is who I am, and not you know my well,
1: heritage? Well, it was my father that led me to the Lord. Uh, his name is Gene Clark, mm. Clifford Eugene Clark, which mm. is really, it's not exactly a name you're picking up chicks with. You know what I'm saying? Clifford Eugene Clark. That's true. Yeah, it's rough. So. Because of that, he had to be he was a good looking guy, which is lucky and uh very charming very funny uh, and you clearly got well, he had, handed that down to you he needed that to overcome his name oh okay. so um but he uh was a pastor and um I remember him he sat me at the side of the bed and of course you know growing up in a pastor's home, you hear the gospel all the time um and it's easy to think you know because you're singing the songs and asking forgiveness for your sins, you know since uh, since you came out the chute, you know mm. what I'm saying? And um, figuratively speaking. And so, you know, he has to you know, make it clear to me that it's a personal decision that you have to make, you know. And so he sat me on the edge of the bed. I was about seven years old. And, uh, and he was explaining to me the theology of it. And, um, and I remember specifically him, you know, kind of pointing out on a globe and showing me like, so if you start heading east, you know, then at what point do you hit west? And as a seven-year-old, I'm thinking it through, and I'm like, "Well, you you know, you don't. You're always headed east." So he showed me in the Bible uh, when God forgives you of your sins, it says He throws them as far as the east is from the west, and so that means forever away. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he says, and that's what happens when you accept Jesus Christ. You know, and uh, obviously you are a sinner, but uh, He can forgive you of those sins Mm -hmm. forever. And um, and I thought, uh, you know, I. I need that myself. And uh, anyway, I got so I, I bowed my head and got saved there on the edge of his bed, mm. and um, and I knew almost immediately. I mean, it was literally in the weeks preceding my baptism, which happened two weeks later after I got saved. But it's just weeks after um, I knew uh, almost automatically that I was going to be a, a preacher. Uh, wow! I, I just uh, I never there was never a time in my life where I wanted to be something else. I remember watching my—we grandf- went to my grandfather's church. My dad worked for my grandfather. And uh, I remember here watching him preach on the stage as um, a seven-year-old and, and thinking, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have to admit, you know, I mean, kids think all kinds of crap. You know, they just, you know things go in their head. Right. But, um, but that has been, through all of the, the roller coaster that's been my life, is, that's been a constant— whether I was at Bible college or whether I was uh, someplace that was very unlike Bible college. That was a, con- right. th- that was a constant uh, in my life. I never doubted that.
0: So did you know how it was going to happen? Like in your mind, like because you went to seminary. Yeah. Is
1: that you thought that this is the road to get there? Yeah, know? when I was at home, it was very clear. Um, I knew that when I graduated, I was going to go to Baptist Bible College because that's where my dad went and it was the only school I knew of at the time that in my mind I thought taught the Bible and was a Baptist school, and mm-hmm. uh, and I was very proud, I always have been very proud to be a Baptist, so I was gonna go there. And uh, so yeah, just my life was pretty much, in my mind, was very planned out. Um, and so that's exactly what I did. I graduated from high school, I went to Baptist Bible College, I started going there, and uh, yeah. How'd you end up in Kansas City, though? Because you
0: graduated, you were, you were married, and you ended up in KC, and I think you've told me this before, but I can't remember how it is you ended up at Kansas City Baptist Temple in, in and yeah. learning about
1: discipleship and all that. Well, that was actually another Clark. Um, that was uh, not my dad, but my uncle, uh, Paul Clark. Uh, he was talking to me at, in Springfield. And, and, and for people who don't know, your your uncle, Paul, is a missionary to Bogota, Columbia. That's right. Yeah. And um, he was visiting Springfield, and he was talking to me, and... Uh, basically, you know telling me you know everything I'm doing wrong with my life you yeah. know, and trying to I think me he's out. good at that he he's excellent at that and <laughs> he's um, helped me with that as well yeah he's been a big he's actually been such a tremendous influence in my life Man, uh, yeah uh, for me personally kind of a side note but he's always been kind of the model for what a missionary should look like on the field mm-hmm. and um and so yeah I, I think he's a big fan yeah. I'm really uh regretting that I said that. Live now, but because he's probably gonna he's, be it.
0: he doesn't know how to use
1: the Internet, though. So
0: we're in good shape. <laughs> so, no, Paul's awesome. I
1: hope to have him on the show. Yeah. Somewhere. Oh, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's a wealth of knowledge and uh, uh, and arrogance. But um, <laughs> so we, we were talking in Springfield and um, and he told me, he says, you need to go to this church in Kansas City, mm. you know, and uh, and I'm thinking, well, what's this what's a church going to teach me that a Bible college can't teach me? Uh, which shows you really just how big of an idiot I was at the time, and um, and he said this. He told me I remember. He said this school they're they're taking your Bible out of your hands, and this church will put it back. Wow. And um, is it was that your experience? Did you feel like after seminary
0: that there were new doubts, new questions that you hadn't ever really considered? Did you feel like the Bible had been taken out of your hands, or
1: well, I thought I felt like that. That's what they taught. Mm. that that was certainly what they taught was that the Bible was not perfect and right. this was a very I mean very conservative strict sure. Baptist College what not some liberal seminary but they taught that the Bible was not perfect that there were clear errors in the Bible and uh, and I didn't believe them you know we'd always been taught growing right. up that the Bible's perfect you know um but uh, you'd been in that culture for four years yeah right and so um But they also, that wasn't really the problem with me. The problem was is that the Bible, it wasn't that the Bible was imperfect. The problem was that the Bible doesn't really have anything to do with your job Hmm. as a minister. Your job is to fill a room. And the Bible doesn't really have anything to say about that. Right. So, you know, the the Bible stuff, you kinda you know, you teach that from the pulpit, but it doesn't really have anything to do with your job. So you're saying they
0: handed you a philosophy yeah. that kind of flew in the face of scripture, yeah. and it was time to find a place that would help you get back to the basics.
1: Well, I was about, I was, I was not married yet. Actually, we were it was considering getting married, and okay. uh, and uh, you know, I popped the question. She said yes, luckily, yeah. and um, and so uh, I said we need to go down together and look at this church. So we did. We went down, and it was uh, a Sunday night uh, that we went down, and. Um, this uh, guy was preaching, and he was preaching using an overhead projector, and he was teaching on Job chapter 29. It was like a classroom setting, or was it in the sanctuary? This is main service. Wow. Yeah, this is the old school, and there's Job chapter 29, so it wasn't like some necessary riveting sermon. Yeah, that's,
0: there's some dark stuff there.
1: There's some dark stuff <laughs> there, you know? and uh, And we're sitting, and I swear, you know, and it wasn't even the head pastor that was teaching. It was a pastor on staff that was Mm. teaching, and we're sitting there. And the way he broke down this passage in the Bible, we both, it was immediate. We just looked at each other and we're like, we have to move here and go to this church. Wow. We went back. We got married. Two weeks later, we moved to Kansas City uh, with nothing but our clothes and our wedding gifts. That was all we had. We were just like, I I thought, because I was like, you know, not very far from graduating and going on pastoring, Mm. and I thought, I'm starting over. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to move there. I got a job as a janitor at that church mm. just so that I could live in Kansas City so that they could train me. And um, and Mindy got a job at an engineering firm, uh, which really shows you where we at on the intellectual scale. Yeah, she's clearly ahead of you. Yeah, very yeah. much. And uh, so um, I got a job. And the beauty of that job was that I had access to the cassette ministry, all the audio cassettes, that they made, and you're, I imagine
0: you're supposed to be. The mop is leaning against the wall somewhere in the lobby,
1: and you're in the cassette room with headphones on. They're they're lucky anything got cleaned. <laughs> and I also had keys to their bookstore, so I'm just. I mean, people are buying books and they're highlighted with notes on the side, you know, from me. I'm just in there all the time. It's like my own personal library. No, not really, but uh, I was reading all the books, listening to every cassette, mm. and uh, the whole time there was just this huge. Um, uh, you know, education for me and Mindy both. Sure. And so, you, I've heard you share this about
0: discipleship and how that re- discipleship relationship that you had uh, was a huge game changer. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit, share with us.
1: Yeah. Um, Brian Anderson, Brian and Sherry Anderson is who they assigned to uh, disciple us. You know, and I—I had been, like I said, I'd been to Bible college, and I wasn't very far away from my theological degree, and so I thought I knew something about the Bible, and um, which is usually the first sign that someone doesn't, you mm. know. And so uh, he hooked me up with this guy, and and Brian um, was—he's just a, a beautiful human being, and uh, he worked at this at a jewelry jewelry store. He was like an artisan who crafted the settings for jewels. Mm. And he did that for a living, and Sherry, his wife, worked in the church office, and uh, just an amazing couple. But the way he would sit down and disciple me, it was so obvious that he knew his Bible, and he was able to share why he believed what he believed in a way that I was not able to do that. And I was like, this guy, you know, this is the wrong way to say it, but he's a regular guy. Yeah, And he knows his Bible better than all of me and my buddies who went to school and would debate theology until the morning, you know, uh, and he this guy just knew his Bible. And uh, but not just he didn't just know his Bible, he was able to really uh guide me in the Bible mm-hmm. and was able to show me why I believe what why I should believe what I believe and and help me with my life. Yeah, integrate it into your life. Yeah. yeah. It was about my life and uh and how I should walk with the Lord. And I, I just knew that that was what i was going to do for the rest of my life. Hmm. It wasn't about sales anymore. It wasn't about just putting people in seats. I mean, this was what Jesus did. Right. And that's what we're supposed to do. It it was it was both exhilarating and it was terrifying because they had really ruined everything in the sense that you know, uh i had to really start over. Yeah. It was wonderful though. Um and so before we get to to how you've how you implement
0: discipleship which is something I want to talk about um, how did you walk us through the the following years before you and many decided to go to the field and, and, and leave the states what were the the steps that preceded that how you know how did God get you there
1: um, well we uh, yeah I, after I, it took me about a year and a half to get through discipleship and uh, I don't know if that's normal or not but it's it took uh, me
0: two yeah um, a year and a half isn't normal, uh, but but two is really abnormal. Yeah. So It took me a while. We're slow to get it's it. It's good that we're on the show together because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you look real smart. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's hard to do. But uh, yeah, it took me a year and a half. And uh, for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, um, but they, they put me into their Bible Institute almost right away. And uh, right after I got through discipleship Mm -hmm. and that's not what's supposed to happen, but, uh, it wasn't even my call. They just said, would you like to go to the Bible Institute? I said, yeah, that's why I'm here. I want to be trained. That's the only reason I came because this, I was, I want to be trained and sent out Mm -hmm. wherever that might be. And we, we even at home (laughs) so stupid, I guess, but even at home, like we didn't put anything on our walls, we had like this really crappy furniture. Uh, I think our dining room table was like lawn furniture or something. It was just like, it was terrible. Did you live
0: in Country Shire where everyone else was? I
1: did. I, I ended up there. We started out, uh, out at Whispering Lake, and then we went to Countryshire. Okay. Well, Country Shire.
0: Well, Country for people who don't know, Country Shire somehow became where like all the poor married couples <laughs> lived together in this unintentional co- commune. That's right. Baptist commune. <laughs> The rent was like nothing.
1: I, it was. It was really low, and uh, but we didn't homestead or anything at all. We didn't like nest or right. whatever, uh, because we were always had uh, our shoes on, so to speak. We were always, mm. you know, looking to leave, so to speak. Um, whatever that might be. Um, it wasn't until we were actually living in London for a few years that we like bought furniture. Yeah, you for probably the, felt guilty about it too. Yeah. For the first time in our married life, I bought my wife like a bed set. And uh yeah, it was really strange. But we were just that was our life there. Mm-hmm. It was just all prep. And um so we were constantly reading and but we were also newlyweds. Yeah. And uh so uh we saved no money. We the all the money we made we spent on going out to movies and going out on dates and going out to restaurants and you know, spending time together. And uh, we absolutely loved our life. And, uh, you know, we made plenty of money because she, you know, had a professional career. And um, and I had all the audio cassettes that I could handle from the church. And uh, was, so life was really good. And, yeah, uh, you felt rich. I felt rich. Yeah, because the cassettes. Acknowledge. Yeah, yeah, right. And Mindy didn't really agree. She was like, you got to get these cassettes out of my house. She's like, no one even uses cassettes Was that what you were
0: using as a bed, Is
1: boxes of cassettes? (laughs) Boxes (laughs) of cassettes. And people are like, where are all the masters of the cassettes at church? I'm like, I don't don't know, man. But um, so we were just preparing all of that time and reading, learning. And every Sunday, we're sitting there. We just got notepads, uh, you know, like kids waiting on Christmas, Mm. just like. Yeah, I I know that feeling. Just trying to get it all down. And it was such an amazing experience. I remember when Mindy she bought me a uh, Oxford wide mar- margin mm-hmm. King James Bible. Yeah, when we first moved, it's the Rolls there. Royce of, of Bibles. Yeah, it's the Bible I use to this. How day. How many cassettes did she have to sell? <laughs> Oh, it, it was the. I mean, I, I, this is still my preaching Bible to this day. And uh, someday I'll tell you about it, what happened to mine. I had one too. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, they don't even I, I lo- make them. I lost
0: them. it. I lost. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Oh. It's, a, I'll, it's not. I don't want to bring people down. So let's I'm, keep going. Yeah, I'm so sorry. To yeah, hear it's that. okay.
1: But so it, don't stop yeah. talking
0: about the Oxford, please. no, well, it's just hurt, it's,
1: uh, it's just like uh, they they don't make them. You know, they've uh,
0: they've, they've got a version now. Do you they? Can get, it's an Oxford doesn't publish it. But there is a, an imitation Oxford that's constructed the exact same way. Wow. Yeah, so just an FYI.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I'd like yeah. to take a look at yeah. that. Well, I mean, that it really represented, you know, in many ways, figuratively speaking, exactly what Paul was talking about. And I really felt like I had my Bible again. Mm-hmm. And I started to really understand. And, and even all the things I had learned as a child from my dad and my grandfather and my uncle and other pastors that I had had, uh, and even the stuff I learned from BBC, it was like they were all a bunch of, of these kind of misplaced pieces. And then when I came to Kansas City, uh, they allowed all those pieces to get put into place, mm-hmm. and everything started to make sense. You know, uh, it was a, it felt a little like you know the Apostle Paul. He learned that Old Testament law all of his life, oh, yeah. but he just didn't have any understanding until he met Christ, and then everything came together. It right. all fit together, yeah. and it just felt like. Um, an amazing epiphany in my life and it all started to come together and so I was I felt like I was just learning so much all the time it was a wonderful time in my life and uh and Mindy's as well it was exhilarating and um so uh we uh just continued for years for like the next five years so how
0: did you get I mean you were in in Sam Miles Mm -hmm. class uh with him But, like, I remember being in there. You were older than me, a little, a lot older than me. No, I'm joking. You were a little (laughs) older than me. And so I was kind of young and watching. But uh, it felt to me like there was just one day, like, okay, guys, guys, Brian and Mindy are leaving. That's how it felt. Yeah. Uh, But tell us how that came to be, how how God got you to a place where you knew that it was London? I mean, had you thought about yeah. overseas or had you always thought you were going to plant a church in the States or what, you, what were you thinking?
1: Well, I mean, growing up in my grandfather's church, every single Sunday was Missions Sunday. Right. Uh, there's a huge mural behind the baptistry and it's enormous. If mm-hmm. you ever get a chance to go to Tulsa Baptist Temple, it's still there. And it's this mural of all the nations kind of gathered around Christ and uh, has uh, is
0: that what's the there's a printed version of that yes. at, in
1: Bogota? Yeah that's, that's the exact same image that's where yeah, they got I'm it. familiar with that yeah yeah and so um and it's you know it says go you therefore teach all nations baptizing them and um so I mean that was what we're looking at every Sunday as Pops would preach. Mm-hmm. Uh our we knew you know from the moment that we stepped in that this is what our life is about. Our life is about getting the gospel and making disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he's kind of you know always would say, not everybody's called to foreign missions, but everyone should wrestle with the possibility, and um, and he really believed that, and um, and so we were always as a family, as a Clark family, we were always just ready, you know, we're just kind of always at the ready to like if God calls us to foreign missions, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're we're going. If He wants us to stay home. Then we're going to make missionaries. Yeah. But that was always the context of our lives, and uh, and of course Paul was one of those who God called him, and he right. left, and and that was that was never a surprise, really, to at least to us kids. You know, that was part of the deal. How important is it to have a, a model? Like so many
0: people don't have that in their life. You know, they don't have. I mean, they don't have what you have.
1: Um, yeah, a, a model is I think is is pretty essential. Yeah. You know because. Uh, it, it shows you not only you know kind of what it's supposed to look like in modern day terms, uh, but it also shows you uh, you know that it's not necessarily supposed to look like anything in particular. You, you, there you know you see someone have to have to go and work it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. and it's good for someone to tell you that uh, man you have to go there and you have to figure it out to a mm-hmm. certain extent. It takes away some of the fear, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Well, I mean, so I was always available to God. If he wanted me foreign or local, I was ready to preach. I just knew that I was supposed to be a preacher and that was what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so we're there at KCBT, you know, just, you know, learning and, you know, everything we can. And, uh, so I'm, I'm literally, I'm cleaning toilets one day, got my headphones on and listening to one of the classes. I listened to all the classes there, what they taught. And, um, one of the pastors was saying, Hey, we're getting ready to take to his class. He was saying, we're getting ready to take this missions trip to London and it's going to be all men, you know, they're going to go, not sure why, but it was just going to be all (laughs) men that were going to go on this trip. And uh, man, I just, I dropped the toilet brush into the toilet. I just kind of set it into the toilet and I walked down to his office And I said, that could have
0: been a nightmare for someone, by the way.
1: Right. (laughs) You weren't thinking about anyone but yourself. No, it was all me. (laughs) And I I walked down to his office and I said, you've got to take me on this trip, you know. And um, and he said, uh, he said, well, okay." He's like, but uh, it's going to be kind of expensive. You know, that was his nice way of saying you're poor. Well, yeah, you're a janitor. (laughs) So and I was like, I said, I don't care. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't care if I have to go back to exotic dancing. I will make the money. Okay. And because um, tapes weren't cutting it at that bad. <laughs> No, they were not cutting it. And so I said, I'll make the money and just put me on the list, you know. And I think he could see it in my eyes that I wasn't going to go away. And um, so he said, okay. And he put me. I wasn't really supposed to go, and I wasn't really even supposed to know about it. If mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been listening to someone else's class, if you hadn't been stealing the tapes, nothing right. would have ever happened. That's right. It's come full circle. That's exactly why theft always pays off in the end. <laughs> it, 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 eventually, it's going to help you, and uh, that's really bad advice. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, we we went, and I'm I'm not kidding you. As soon as I stepped off the plane, I was like. This is where I'm going to live uh this is what this is the place for me mm. and uh, now I just kind of kept that in my heart I didn't tell anybody because those you know it's just like when I was seven and I knew I was going to preach and it's exactly like when I met Mindy the very moment that I met her I, I'm gonna marry her mm-hmm. I just knew
0: reminds me of Sam it reminds me of Samuel You know yeah. God comes to him and he he holds it in his heart he knows what he's supposed to be yeah. he holds it yeah
1: that's exactly what I did. Mm. I didn't tell anyone because you you want to make sure this is confirmed and there's not just some emotional thing. So, um, and while I was there, the missionary we went to visit, he approached me and he said, uh, "Would you consider moving here to help us?" And I was like, "Yes, I would." And I think he was even surprised, uh, you know, by uh, just how quickly I accepted that, you know, invitation. And um, it was an invitation to consider it. Yeah. And uh, I went home after that trip. Alan Shelby was on that trip. Troy Stogsdale was on that trip. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, when I went home, I remember telling Mindy, you know, we're going to move to London. And she was like, uh, when you leaving? What are you talking about? You know, she was like, you're out of your mind. And I was like, no, I'm serious. I mean, I think God's calling us to London. I mean, obviously, I said, we'll pray about it, work it out, you know, whatever, but... And um, I went to uh, Pastor Allen, and I said, I think God's calling me to London. And he was like, well, let's, you know, you know, Alan, he's like, yeah. let's, uh, it was great advice because he said, uh, you always see God in the planning, you know, or actually the way he said it was, okay, so uh, yeah, well, you always see God in the planning. So let's put a plan together and see how God works it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And yeah, it was you could always count on him for a good, solid advice.
0: So, always sober, always soft and good. kind. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, and so that's exactly what we did. And I took Mindy on a trip over to London. Uh, except when I, I went, I went in May. When we went, we went in November. And uh, those are it's two different cities and mm. those two different times. In so, November, it's like you might as well be in Beirut. <laughs> It's just not a nice place. And it it's just rainy and cold and it's nasty. So what'd she think? Oh, she hated it. And so did I. I mean, we were there and I mean I knew this is where God wanted us to be, but I was like, man, I was really disappointed because I wanted Mindy to see what I saw. And man, I remember on the flight home, you know, I I, I just told her, I said, Look, I, I'm not even gonna mention London again. I said, We have a great life. We have a great ministry, we're involved and Uh, We got it all, you know, and so we're just going to dig in where we are. And if God wants us to come to London, then he's going to come and get us. And she was like, praise the Lord, you know, because she thought that meant we weren't going, you know. And um, and I'll never forget the day it happened, Um, because let me give this as another piece to that puzzle is that I had, you know, I'd done my research and called the British consulate to say, you know, we want to get a work visa to go to London or whatever. Because that was kind of in vogue then, you know, go over and work right. and all that kind of stuff. And and they said, uh, uh, well, no, we're not going to give you one. I'm like, you don't even know me yet. They saw yeah. your picture. Yeah. And uh, she's like, uh, you have a thousand jobs to choose from over here. And, you know, we have a homeless epidemic in London. So why would we give a job to you? And I'm like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> It was hard to argue with her. I was like, yeah, that makes pretty sense. She's like, yes, it does. Click. You know, that was the end of the conversation. She was like, and she actually said, we don't give work visas to Americans, Hmm. which was unexpected. I thought we had, I said to her, I thought we had a special relationship, you know?
0: You know, after being there now that that's just not true.
1: (laughs) It's just not true. And uh, so I was like, wow. Wow. Well, so with that in mind, and, and me telling Mindy, we're just going to stay where we are. I mean, we just felt, figured, okay, we're going to see what God does. And um, so I'm, uh, my dad is down to visit in Kansas City, and we're getting ready to go see the Royals. Uh, at that time, we're getting ready to go see them lose again. Right, sure. And um, and then I get a phone call, and the missionary we went to visit calls me, and he says that you know he's been talking to this organization called the London City Mission that he's been helping, and they need someone desperately to come over and help them with some of their gap year student projects. Mm. And uh, and they said, I've been telling them about you guys, and they said they want to hire both of you individually, and they'll give both of you a salary, and they'll provide you a home and a car, and they'll get you the visas to get in the country. Wow. And he said, you can come right away. And we were we were just like, we are floored. I mean... My heart just fell into my stomach and Mindy's looking at me like, oh, no, here we go. You know, and I told her, I said, look, you know, you just take your time, just pray about that. I'm not saying anything. I'm Mm -hmm. not answering, you know. Mm -hmm. And so she did. She spent time in prayer and in the word and she came to me and she's like, we need to go. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's time for us to go. Wow. Yeah, she said the Lord really confirmed that in the word. And now that meant everything to me because she's a more level headed person than I am. You know, I'm tend to be more emotional. And um, she's she's not an emotional person in any way. And uh, so if she's like, We need to go, then at least I know I'm not crazy.
0: Yeah, you you knew the Holy Spirit had definitely spoken.
1: Yes. Yeah at that moment. That's right. And so that's And so
0: right. you guys left and you went. Yeah. Um man <clears throat> so we're running out of episode mm. but uh man that's a powerful story especially for people who are considering missions themselves yeah you know i think that there's a lot of young people who who are hearing this and they're thinking <clears throat> man what is what is worth fearing you know what you know uh, is the lord calling me how do i consider that how do i ma- make a plan and and hear to find out if if god's in it really look to see if god's in that plan and
1: So one thing I would say is that uh, the way God opened the door for us to go has really made all the difference for us later. Mm. Um, It's important that, you know, if you're considering missions, that you don't try to force the circumstances. Don't try to force your wife and force it to happen. You know, allow God to be the one that opens the door. Because later on, when we would question ourselves and we'd be like, you know, we've just made the worst mistake of our lives and I can't believe we're living here and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And that happens. You I know. hope your
0: church members aren't going to hear that. Oh, I've
1: told them. They, <laughs> they know. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't have any filter. I, sure. I, I've told them all yeah. of these things. And so um, when you have all those doubts, you know, me and Mindy together, remembering uh, that God came and got us. Mm-hmm. You know, God was the one who wanted us there. And how he got us there really confirms that. And so it's important that you allow God to be the one that opens that door uh, and makes it clear that he wants you to go, because that will make all the difference later when you have opposition yeah. and you have doubts.
0: You'll have a monument that you can look back to and say, this is this is of God. I mean, how many missionaries go home? I mean, how many people go, I, I don't know, there's maybe a statistic that you, that you know off the top of your head, but I would bet that at least half of all missionaries who go
1: out um, second-guess themselves at some point well, I would say, as far as the ones who second guess themselves, it'd be about a hundred percent. We we all do. Mm-hmm. We all have moments. Uh, I'm talking about you know nervous breakdown moments of tears and I've ruined my family moments. Mm. You know where you're like, what did I do? Um, and everyone second guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you you have to just. It, it's I know it sounds trite but you have to turn back to the word and his promises. And that's what makes your faith strong is because there's, you have the moments where that's literally all you have to hold on to. Mm. And either he comes through or, uh, you know, you're done. Right. And so, yeah, we all do. And then some people come back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and there are some people that just quit. Some people come back for legitimate reasons and, um, but yeah, you can't really pay attention to any of that. You, you just have to take it one day at a time. Yeah, Who, yeah. Is, who is
0: God to you? Is, is, he, is He everything He says He is? Right. Yeah. yeah. Brian, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us. And we want to thank you for being a part of another episode of The Postscript. If you have interest in Living Faith Fellowship, uh, the, the fellowship of churches that we're involved with, Brian's Church and, and Midtown Baptist Temple and a plethora of other like-minded churches, Uh, Check out that website and you can learn more about uh, who we are, our identity, our vision there. Uh, If you're interested in the Bible Institute uh, and hearing from professors, teachers, just like Brian Clark, uh, who teaches at our Bible Institute, you can visit lfbi.org and check out the classes, uh, check out our philosophy, uh, reach out to us if you have questions. But we want to thank you again for uh, joining us for this episode of The Postscript and come back next week when we're having a conversation with Brian about ministry and about evangelism in London. Thanks.